Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Hey everyone, welcome back and thanks for listening to the Healthy Her podcast. Today I was going to talk about, and it's just me today, we're going to talk about something that I think almost every woman needs to think about at some point during their reproductive life, and that is birth control. In our office, we give it a special name of my control because it is something that you are in control of. And there's a lot of factors that go into how do I pick a form of birth control? So this is something that's really individualized and should be an in-depth discussion between you and your provider. And as I go through the options on this podcast, you will see that there are a lot of options and it's it's a it's a lengthy discussion if you really don't know anything about birth control. So, I hope that this podcast makes it into a lot of people's hands and gives you a high level overview of all the options that are out there at least in 2022. 25 years ago when I was training as a resident, this conversation was relatively short. As I think back at what was available as I talked to patients when I was in my residency, and I know we had birth control pills, so everybody knows it as the pill. So that was around. We had uh, something called the mini pill, which I'll get to. We had at least one type of IUD. I think the second type of IUD um, that I'll talk about a little later came out at the end of my residency. And then certainly we had permanent birth control like a tubal ligation and vasectomy. But as it relates to the pill, now I don't even know how many different birth control pills there are in the market. There's a lot. And that has even changed over the years. Um, when I was a, a resident, I would say that I remember writing for one birth control. I pretty much wrote for oral or ortho tricycline and everybody got that. And now there's a lot of nuances to kind of consider when I'm writing a prescription for a birth control pill. Certainly the amount of estrogen that's in a birth control is certainly probably one of the most important considerations. And that's really the biggest difference that's changed as far as the pill goes over the past 20 years. My mother's generation, I think the option, the amount of estrogen that was in the pill was about 50 micrograms. When I was a resident training, the amount of estrogen that was in a pill was around 30 to 35 micrograms. Now, we still have those available, but now it's we have 20 micrograms of estrogen in birth control pills, and we even have some est or pills that are only 10 micrograms. 
So a lot has changed in the past 25 years that relates to the pill. Some of the benefits of taking the pill is it doesn't require any kind of procedure. It's just, it's typically covered by insurance and you just take this pill every day. Um, pretty simple. Other benefits other than preventing pregnancy are it can make your periods a lot lighter. It can make your periods regular. Sometimes people say that it helps with their mood. It can make the cramping with your periods better. It can reduce your risk of getting uterine cancer and reduce your risk of getting ovarian cancer. So it also can be protective for bones. Uh, a lot of times I use it in a rare situation called premature ovarian failure. Unfortunately, it is a medication and there are some side effects. The most common side effect is being breakthrough bleeding. And as we lower the estrogen in the pill, uh, the amount, the rate of breakthrough bleeding can in some cases go up. Now, usually over time, that breakthrough bleeding gets better. So I usually recommend people to stick with one pill for several months before we throw in the towel and, and switch to something different. Birth control pills can also help with acne. I forgot to mention that. Um, uh, and how it works is because it lowers your testosterone. So a nice treatment for acne. Other side effects, again, are really rare these days with this, these low forms of birth control. Back in the day, some people would get some nausea, maybe some breast tenderness, breast enlargement. Although that can certainly happen, it's just a lot less with these lower doses of estrogen in the pill. Different brands of birth control have different progestins in it. And uh, if you've ever listened to one of my hormone talks, you'll uh, hear that that's one of my pet peeves is whenever I say the word progestin, I always like to clarify, this is not progesterone. Um, progesterone is a naturally occurring hormone and we can compound it and use it uh, a lot in hormone replacement therapy. But as of now, there is not a bioidentical progesterone in a birth control pill. They've taken that molecule of progesterone and altered it a little bit and made it a progestin. There's different kinds of progestins out there, norgestimate, drospirinone, and those can be ta tailored with different forms of birth control. If somebody's not tolerating it, they can switch to a different birth control that has a different progestin in it as well. Levonorgestrel is another one. Um, there's a new oral contraceptive that's on the market. And uh, I got to be honest, I don't have a ton of experience with it because it's pretty new. But it's pretty exciting because it's the first time that we've ever had a oral contraceptive, a combo oral contraceptive, that it has a new estrogen. All of the combination oral contraceptives to this day have contained an estrogen called ethanyl estradiol. And there's this new birth control called Nextellus, and it has a different estrogen. It's called est estrotol, E-S-T-E-T-R-O-L, or E4. And the, again, the estrogen in the birth control pill hasn't changed in 50 years, so it's pretty exciting. 
this uh, E4 estrogen um, is an estrogen that's really prevalent uh, or in high amounts with a, a pregnant mother. So how does it make the birth control different? Is est and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, estetrol is selective for tissues that depend predominantly on nuclear estrogen receptors. So that's pretty sciencey. But what that means is whenever you take a hormone, it's going to bind to receptors. And so the typical estrogen receptor binds to uh, estrogen receptor on the outside of the cell. This binds to an estrogen on the um, in the nucleus or inside the cell. So again, what does that really mean is it can, it alters how the tissues respond to the estrogen signaling. So what that really means is that older birth control pills can stimulate breast growth versus this new Nextellus with this new estrogen in it does not stimulate breast growth. The other benefit is that it could affect the vascular system by preventing plaque accumulation. Also, it can be more supportive in um, helping with vaginal dryness and supporting healthy tissue in the vagina. So super exciting with this uh, new development. We'll see if it actually pans out and and people have uh, less side effects of uh, a breast tenderness or uh, if we see some long-term studies on, you know, does it affect uh, your cardiovascular risk? That would be pretty exciting. So not everybody is a candidate for taking the pill or otherwise known as a combination oral contraceptive. So just because you go to your doctor and say, I want to do the pill, that's why it's important to have a discussion with your provider. Typically, you know, I don't do deliver babies anymore, um, but I didn't give combination contraception to women who had just had a baby or were, or were nursing mothers. So anybody less than six weeks postpartum is a contraindication. And really, as you look at these lists, this list of contraindications or people who should not take the pill are anything that's going to increase your risk of getting a blood clot. So that pregnancy and postpartum state is an increased risk of getting a blood clot. Smoking and being over the age of 35, that's a no-no for taking oral contraceptives or the pill. High Uncontrolled high blood pressure, meaning your top number is over 160 or your bottom number is over 100. If you've had any kind of blood clot in the past, in your lungs, in your legs, in your heart, which is a heart attack, in your brain, which is a stroke. If you have a complicated valve in your heart, um, or any kind of valvular heart disease, um, pulmonary hypertension, atrial fibrillation, um, something like that. Also, a no-no for oral combination oral contraceptives. Um, really, any hormone would be a contraindication with breast cancer, current or in the past. Diabetes with any end organ damage in their eyes, kidneys, or nerves. And really liver disease, complicated liver disease like sclerosis or anything that's going to 
uh, severe liver disease. So those would be the contraindications. Some side effects I already mentioned, breast tenderness, nausea, breakthrough bleeding, decreased libido, mood issues. Um, you can get mood issues from synthetic progestins. Um, again, decreased libido because it's affecting your testosterone. So again, good thing is, is it can help with acne. Bad thing is, is it can affect your libido. So let's move on to a pill, but it's not a combination pill. It's a progestin only pill. Again, really exciting in this arena for the longest time. We had we only had one progestin only pill on the market. We called it the mini pill. Again, as, as it describes, it's a pill you take every day. The downside with this typical progestin-only mini pill is you had to take it every day at pretty much the exact same time every day. There's about a three-hour window where you have to take that, that pill or it's going to really decrease its efficacy. Lately, though, there's a new kid on the block in the progestin-only market, and its name is called Slind, S-L-Y-N-D. And it's the only estrogen-free birth control pill where you just got to make sure you take it every day. There's, there's a 24-hour missed pill window. So that's really cool. You don't have to be as diligent. So when I'm talking to patients about taking their birth control, I say, you know, you just need to take it every day, roughly the same time of day. But if you're using... You're usually taking it first thing in the morning when you brush your teeth and you're taking it at 6.30 in the morning on work or school days on the weekends when you sleep in till 8, 9, 10 a.m. You don't have to set your alarm to take it. But with the mini pill, you, you did need to do that. So you don't need to do that with regular combination birth control pills. And you don't need to do that with this newer progestin only pill called Slind. So that's kind of cool. Downsides of these mini pills or progestin only pills and Slind is it could have um, a little bit more breakthrough bleeding rate. And who we give this to is people who have contraindications to oral estrogen. So that whole list I just went through of essentially liver disease or anybody that is at increased risk of getting a blood clot. So that's who I would consider for these progestin only pills. Now, let's go back to talking about combination hormone therapy, like the pill. You can take that same type of medication and instead of taking it in oral form, you take it in a different form. So there's a patch that you put on your skin and you wear it for a week, take it off, put a new one on, wear it for a week, take it off, put a new one on, wear it for a week, and then do nothing for a week. So it's called the birth control patch. And there's a couple different brands of that. Um, benefit of this is you don't have to remember that pill every day. You just got to remember to change the patch once a week. And then we have some vaginal rings. There's two brands on the market. One is called NuvaRing. And again, something exciting, something new in the birth control, my control arena is called Anavera. And these are uh, little rings that go inside the vagina and stay in place for three weeks. And then you take it out, 
put nothing in the vagina for a week. You typically have your period that week. And then with NuvaRing, you get a new ring um, out of the package and put it in the vagina and repeat the whole process. With Anavera, you actually just use the same ring. So again, you would put the Anavera ring in, leave it in for three weeks, take it out for a week, wash it, store it in a, in a safe place, make sure the dog doesn't get it or something like that. Um, and then uh, put it back in. So it's a very similar medication. What's nice about Anavera, you don't have to go to the pharmacy. It's just one kind of copay or um, bill that you pay. You don't have to go to the pharmacy all the time. It's just one ring for the entire year. So less trips to the pharmacy, which is nice. Also, really unique circumstances. Maybe if you're traveling, studying abroad, it's a great option for, for those patients. You can also use the same types of medications of ethanol estradiol and a synthetic progestin instead of a pill form or a vaginal ring, but a patch, kind of like a Band-Aid that you put on your skin um, and change it periodically. Again, very similar to what's in birth control pills. Same contraindications for the oral contraceptive as these vaginal rings and estrogen patch. We do have some other non-hormonal um, progestin-only options, and those are Depo-Provera, and that's a shot that you get every three months. You typically come to your uh, doctor's office, do a pregnancy test to get the shot. What's great about it is you only have to remember it every three months. So it's a really nice option for, for young girls that become sexually active. What I don't like about it is it does seem to have, in my experience of the people I've given it to, is weight gain. I also uh, used this at one point in my life and I gained a ton of weight. Um, I felt like I was hungry all the time. So not my favorite, but uh, if somebody's not concerned about that, uh, this is great for compliance. Similar medication um, can be actually inserted as an implant in your arm. It's called Nexplanon. It can last for several years. I typically like people to try um, Depo-Provera before they go for the full procedure of getting Nexplanon. I think that's it for those types of uh, medications. So let's move on to IUDs. And what that stands for is intrauterine devices. So there is this device and or a couple devices on the market actually, that is a T-shaped device. And it's a little mini procedure that's performed in your, um, in the doctor's office. Uh, it doesn't require anesthesia, doesn't require going to sleep. A pelvic exam is performed, a speculum is, is inserted into the vagina, and this T-shaped device is put into your uterus. In general, there's two classes of IUDs. One is a hormonal IUD that has that progestin in it again. Again, a little pet peeve of mine when I hear other doctors talking and saying it's a progesterone IUD. It does not have progesterone in it. It has a progestin in it. So there are several IUDs on the market that have progestins in them. 
and they are FDA approved to prevent pregnancy, depending on which one you get, um, for about seven or eight years. So that's the benefit is you put them in, they're they're effective for quite some time. When you want to try to get pregnant, you just go to the doctor's office and it's easily removed. The benefits of this progestin IUD is it is highly effective. Uh, one of the most effective non-permanent forms of birth control out there. In fact, we we nickname this kind of birth control a LARC, a long-acting reversible contraceptive. The other benefits of these other than preventing pregnancy is that these progestin IUDs can decrease the amount of bleeding that somebody has. So it can be kind of a two for one of preventing pregnancy and reducing bleeding. I do think there are, in my opinion, less systemic side effects compared to uh, the other hormonal types of contraception I just discussed. There are some contraindications. Obviously, we don't want to put it in somebody that's actively pregnant. Sometimes people have some distorted uterine anatomy. Maybe they have a fibroid in there, a polyp in there. Maybe they were born with a septum in their uterus or some scar tissue. So in a nutshell, there has to be room for this IUD to sit and nothing obstructing it within the uterus. Uh, Obviously, you don't want to do a procedure and put a foreign body in somebody's uterus if there's an infection. So putting it in in somebody who's actively infected is a absolute contraindication. Kind of straightforward though. There are some pretty rare complications. The most common one is expulsion, meaning your body just is like, nope, this foreign body is not going to be in here and I'm going to kick it out. The literature says that this happens in about 2 to 10% of cases. I don't know. That seems a little high to me. This That seems pretty rare. But every now and then, uh, I will see somebody where they'll actually bring their IUD to me. Usually, it's in the setting of really heavy bleeding. Or maybe they're having some side effects of some irregular bleeding, and we detect that it's not in the right place at the time of an ultrasound. Having this fail from a method failure, meaning just the IUD didn't work, is very rare. We're talking less than 1% rare. So I would say out of all the uh, forms of contraception that we just discussed, of the pill and the rings and the patches, this is a much more effective option. Because you go to the provider, we put it in, and it's in there. You don't have to remember anything after that. A rare complication, though, is related to the procedure itself is that, you know, you could have this IUD perforate your uterus at the time of placement. Again, very rare, like 0.1%. Or over time, this IUD can kind of erode through the wall of your uterus and into your pelvis, into your bladder. Again, Very, very, very rare, but something you need to be aware of. 
side effects of the IUD can be irregular bleeding um, and, and just what we discussed. There's another type of IUD that doesn't have any hormones in it. It's called the copper T IUD or Paragard. So the benefit of this is it doesn't have any hormonal side effects. So if somebody was in the rare case where they had some irregular bleeding, decreased libido, acne, mood issues, that bloating, weight gain that we may have thought might be related to the progestin IUD, there's a non-hormonal IUD as well. This can be used for contraception for up to 10 years. It's effective immediately after it's placed. You're back to being fertile immediately after it's removed. Sounds great. As with everything, there's pros and cons. Downside is your periods can be heavier or even longer. Some of these IUDs can also not just be used for long-term contraception, but can be also used kind of like a morning after regimen if it's placed within a certain number of days after unprotected intercourse. So something to consider if you're in that unfortunate scenario. Let's get on to some other things. Now we have some permanent forms of birth control, such as a tubal ligation, and that's a surgical procedure that a physician performs under general anesthesia at the hospital where your tubes are burnt, cut, clipped, tied, something along those lines. However, that also has even changed over the last five to 10 years where a different procedure at the time of surgery when somebody wants permanent birth control is performed, and that's a salpingectomy. And what that is is actually removing the tubes. So why would you remove the tubes instead of having your tubes clipped, burned, cut, or uh, or tied? So whenever you have a tubal ligation, it's going to reduce your risk of ovarian cancer. But studies have shown when we remove the tubes, it's going to further reduce your risk of ovarian cancer. In addition, you would think that having a tubal ligation, you're never going to get pregnant. Zilch, zero, none. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Tubes can develop a little tract. You only need one cell of sperm to get up there and meet that egg for pregnancy to happen. So new tracts can form, tubes can grow back together. Again, very rare, but it's happened. Removing the tubes, I personally have never seen that happen of somebody having a pregnancy after a salpingectomy. I guess I'd never say never, but I've never seen it versus I have seen women become pregnant after a tubal ligation. The discussion wouldn't be complete if we weren't talking about male permanent birth control, and that's a vasectomy. As a gynecologist, I obviously don't do this procedure, but refer to my uh, urology colleagues. This is an office procedure where a little incision is made. The vas deferens is taken out through that incision and, and cut and tied. There is also something new in the non-hormonal realm of birth control, and it is called Fexi, 
This is a prescription. You have to get it for a prescription from your provider. And it's a hormone-free regimen. And it's a single use where you actually insert it either at the time of intercourse or up to one hour before each act of intercourse. And uh, it's it's non-toxic. So it doesn't have any unsafe ingredients. And it's a gel that goes in the vagina. And how it works is it alters the pH of the vagina. So it decreases sperm mobility. Uh, the benefit about this is you only have to use it when you're sexually active. So you don't have to think about something, you know, on a, on a routine. The downside is, is it's not as effective as some of the other options that we've discussed, like birth control, birth control pills, 99% effective, IUDs, 99 plus percent effective. This is 93% effective when it's used exactly as directed and 86% effective in a real world or real world or typical use. Also, if you're having a kind of a, a sexy night and you want to have another active intercourse, kind of like if you were going to use a condom, you use need to use another applicator of Fexi. I don't think there's any contraindications unless you had an allergic reaction or something like this. So that's good. Side effects, you know, it, it is a gel. So side effects of local irritation to the vagina or even the male partner could occur UTIs. I think they're pretty rare, relatively new. Um, haven't got a lot of feedback from it uh, and it does require a prescription. There's a couple things that obviously I'm not gonna go into huge detail about, but you can actually just go to your grocery store or drugstore and get these. Obviously we all know about the male condom, the female condom, spermicide. Uh, there's still one sponge on the market called the Today Sponge. Um, condoms, spermicide are going to decrease uh, the risk of getting an STD. <clears throat> and then we also have natural family planning. So I think that's it for now. As you can see, the discussion has really expanded in uh, the past several decades and it's an exciting time to be a gynecologist as women really take control thank you for listening to this episode of healthy her you can find us on instagram facebook and the web go to www.dramybrenner.com to learn more this podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.